Well, this morning, as we've mentioned, we're going to be looking at Christ the Rock. Christ the Rock. <clears throat> Last time I was ministering, that's two weeks ago, we looked at Christ the Smitten Rock. As they came to a certain place in the desert, in their wanderings in the desert, they were thirsty. They hadn't had drink for three days and they started murmuring. And all this is that we're looking at in this series about the children of Israel in the wilderness <clears throat> is the consequences of carnality. And this was a carnal lot, just come out of Egypt, just come out of the world, and they had a lot of lessons to learn. They were fearful when Egypt came up behind them with the army at the Red Sea. God opened the way. They complained about food, and God provided them with manna. They came to waters, and they were thirsty, but the waters were bitter, the bit, bitter waters of Mara, and they cast a tree in, and the waters become sweet. And uh, <clears throat> folks, the bitter waters of this world, broken cisterns, we looked at then. And then we came to where there was no water, and the rock was smitten as Moses smote the rock, and he was told to do that at Rephidim in Exodus 17. And so we've noticed the smitten rock and the waters gushed out. And that is mentioned in other scriptures, particularly in the New Testament. Now we go to the thought of a sure rock. Not only a smitten rock, but a sure rock. And this is found in a favourite verse in Psalm chapter 40 and verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And that's a picture of us in our sin in this world and headed for destruction. The horrible pit and the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. (laughs) And this is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation, a sure rock. In Isaiah 28, verse 16, we have this written. I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Folks, if you've got your trust in anything or anybody else other than the Lord Jesus Christ, you haven't got your feet on the rock. You have not got a sure foundation. You need to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to have a foundation for eternity. You can have foundations down here for a little time, but you need them for eternity. Where will you spend eternity? If you died today, where would you go? Heaven or hell? There's only two, and they're both eternal. There's no changing once you've gone. I remember when I first started working, at the Cadenia Creek Reservoir in Melbourne. I was only 17 many years ago and they were cleaning the foundations for the dam, for the wall. It was an earthen wall with rock faces on both sides and a rock filter through the middle. But they had to clean out the whole, from the top of the hill, from where the bank went to, all the way down into the gully and right through the gully. And they started at the top of the hill and they cleaned, cleaned it off with bulldozers, the mass amount of dirt on top, all the topsoil and subsoil. They went down to the rock. 
and then they got uh, little machines in and went between the rocks and they got brooms and shovels and they heaped some men up there clean it right down and any loose rocks they blasted away to get the wall on a good solid foundation I remember that and they spent years <laughs> as it seemed digging down all the way through the gully and up the other hill and that was only one of the walls there's many walls as it went it goes for quite a few kilometers the wall and <clears throat> they were making sure that it was a sure foundation and I recall down on the main wall on the southern side they found a spring that was coming up out of the rock and they couldn't stop the spring they couldn't plug it so they had to put a pipe and some filtering rocks from that to the outside of the dam so it didn't affect the dam and cause it to fail the wall but that had to be sure had to be clean and so it is with the Lord Jesus Christ in our life you must have your feet on the sure rock the Lord Jesus in first Peter 2 6 it explains or describes the Lord Jesus as a chief cornerstone in first Peter 2 and verse 7 it speaks of the Lord Jesus as being head of the corner in 1 Corinthians 3, in verse 11, it says there, Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. And so if you've got your faith in anything or anybody else, you need to have it in the Lord Jesus. Because they will all fail, he won't. He is a sure rock. He's not only a sure rock, but as we go to Psalm 71 and verse 3, we read, But thou, my strong habitation, where, whereunto I may continually resort, thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. <clears throat> he's sure and he's secure. Those two things go together, but he's a secure rock. As it says in the last of that verse, Thou art my rock and my fortress. <clears throat> thou art my strong habitation where I can continually resort to. And <clears throat> this is the Lord Jesus in Psalm 41 and verse no, 94 and verse 22. We read this, but the Lord is my defense and my God. He's the rock of my refuge, the rock of my refuge. And so he is our secure rock. And you could go to Romans chapter 8 and the last part of that chapter. And it speaks there, you know, what shall separate us from the love of God? And it lists a whole lot of things, whether they're things on this earth or things not on this earth or angels or principalities or powers. Any authority cannot separate us. We are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot ourselves remove ourselves from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're held in his hand john's gospel chapter 10 there <clears throat> that we're in the hands of the lord jesus of god himself we are secure <clears throat> many years ago when we were building up the campsite at murrindindi in the early 70s 1970s there we were putting a flying fox over the dam that we'd built and there was a, <clears throat> a big rock on top of another rock a, a massive big boulder it was about eight to ten foot tall and we I thought oh, I wonder if this rock is secure so we got the bulldozer tied to it and gave it a few yanks and it wasn't moving anywhere and I thought yep it's secure enough to hold the 
the weight of a few people going down a flying fox and then got up on top of it and started trying to drill a hole in it. And it only sunk in on the uh, <coughs> stuff that had been facing the sun and rain for, for millennia and it, it just couldn't drill it. So we just tied the, the stick cable around it. It was a secure rock. Never moved, never budged in all the years that people used that as a, an anchor to go down the flying fox. It was secure. It wasn't moving anywhere. <clears throat> I pray that you have your security in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other security, no government, no insurance. You see, we haven't got insurance for eternal life. We've got assurance, eternal security in the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell that to your insurance agent next time. Ask him if he's got assurance of eternity. He can give you insurance for life, but not assurance for eternity. In the, gospel, in the book of Romans, we refer to chapter 8, but we go to chapter 9 now, and verse 31. But Israel, who followed after the law for, of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. They stumbled at the Lord Jesus Christ. They tripped over the Lord Jesus Christ. They couldn't see that he was their rock. He was their sure rock. He was their secure rock. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offence, and whosoever believeth it on him shall not be ashamed. You see, it's got the contrast between the Jewish nation that rejected the rock and they stumbled at him, and then it's got the contrast between them and the believing people today. Whosoever, that's you, and that's me, believeth on him shall not be ashamed. We know whom we have believed and are persuaded that he's able to do it. And also in First Peter, First Peter chapter 2, verse 6 and 8. Wherefore it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, a precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And so we're not confounded when we believe on the rock. We are secure. We are secure. And we are not stumbling as they stumbled. So he's a sure rock. He's a secure rock. He's a stumbling stone to those who do not believe. And even amongst those who are not Jews, anybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile, we can stumble at the Lord Jesus. How many people have said, I don't need him. I can work my way to heaven. Or I've got my religion. Forget about the Lord Jesus. No, no. He's a stumbling stone to you. He is the only way. You have to come by him and not stumble at the word that's been preached unto you. He is also a sheltering rock. In Psalm chapter 61 and verses 1 to 4, we read this. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in the tab thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, a sheltering rock. Have you ever been out walking or somewhere in the bush and a storm arises? The worst place to do to stand is under a tree. Lightning could strike it. A better place is under a sheltering rock. 
under a ledge of a rock. And this is what the picture is here in Psalm 61, particularly verse 4. I will trust in the covert or shelter of thy wings under the rock, (laughs) under the rock, the Lord Jesus. And you've heard me use that for a, that illustration before of on Ash Wednesday back in the 80s, 1980s, where the when the fires raged in Victoria <clears throat> and on Mount Macedon, there was a, the places got burnt out. Fireman walking through later through the farmyard, and here's this dead this dead chook roasted on the spot, sitting in the middle of the yard, and he kicked it, thinking, you know what what's it doing in the middle, sitting. And then when he kicked it from under the wings of that chook came all the little chickens alive and well. Folk, when the judgment of the Lord falls, when he sets up his judgment, will you be under his wings, sheltered and protection from the fiery storm of judgment that is to descend upon those that reject the Lord Jesus? Have you come under his wings, a sheltering rock, as it's pictured there in verse 2, lead me to the rock that is higher than me. Put me under the shelter of thy wings. No, no better place to be. God who created all things. He is the one that provides shelter for those that by faith come and believe on him. He's not only a sure, a secure, a stumbling rock and a sheltering rock, but he's a strengthening rock in Psalm chapter 31. And this is all through the Psalms spoken about the Lord Jesus. In Psalm 31, verses 1 to 3, we read, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. For be thou my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. And so there, he's a strengthening rock. The rock of my salvation. Be my strong rock. Thou art my rock and my fortress, as it reads in that verse. A strengthening rock. In Isaiah 17.10, the rock of our salvation. In 1 Peter 5.10, but the God of all grace make you perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. A strengthening rock. He gives us strength in the times of trouble. He gives us strength when we exhaust our human resources. He is the one. He, he's waiting for us to, st- to, to, as it were, wear ourselves out, trying to do it in our strength, and, and then just to say, Lord, I can't do it, then he does it. And he's, he becomes our strengthening rock. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you to be strengthened with all might by his spirit, his spirit that dwells in the believing person. In 2 Timothy 4.17, speaking of Paul, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Even the Apostle Paul, with all the strength that he had and all the determination he had, he needed to be strengthened by the Lord. And he strengthened Paul and encouraged Paul at that time. Well, he's also not only a sure, secure, stumbling, sheltering, strengthening, but he's a sustaining rock. In Isaiah chapter 48, Isaiah 48 and verse 21, we read this. And they thirsted not when he led them through the desert. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. 
He clave the rock also, and the waters gushed out, and the waters gushed out. And as we mentioned last week, the smitten rock and the waters gushed out. And as we said, in Albury, the average use per person is 340 litres per day. And you've got 2 million people. That's a lot of water needed if you have what we use. I'm I'm sure they didn't use and waste it like we do. But I was thinking of what does this compare with? It's like having six... 60 million litres, which is, if you've known Crystal Creek and the lake there, that's about 15, a bit above 15 million litres. It's like having four of them to meet the needs daily of the children of Israel, let alone the animals and a lot of other things that they had to use water for. And I know when we filled that lake at Crystal Creek, we had a six-inch pipe, a 150-millimetre pipe running from the creek through, through gravity, filling it up, and it took a couple of weeks to fill up through a six-inch pipe. And that would be like six weeks of water filling, running through that pipe to meet the daily needs. So when it says the water's gushed out, there was a lot, it was a river. And folks, when Christ was smitten, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the waters of life gushed out and flowed at great expense to the Lord and each one that comes and drinks as the Samaritan woman did when the Lord said, give me to drink. And, uh, <clears throat> and the Lord said, you know, take of the water that I offer you. And folks, it's open to everybody. He died for all people and whosoever will may come. He's a sustaining rock. He meets our needs at all times through the desert. Over the 40 years in the wilderness, there was water was gushing out, not just from this place, but from other places where they, go, they received water from the God of heaven that provided their needs. He sustained them. He kept them. Go- and in our life, we need the water of life. We need to get into the book. We need to study the scriptures that we're not ashamed before him. When, when he asks us, have you read the word in the future judgment? Did you love my word? Did you meditate on it? Did you memorize it? Were you satisfied and sustained by the water from the word? I pray that you are being satisfied. He also, <clears throat> not only well sustained, but he also satisfies. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 10, but just verse 4. They did all drink of the same spiritual rock, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. He satisfies. You see, in this world, there is a, there's a lot of advertising happens, a lot less with COVID, I noticed, but a lot of advertising and trying to lure you in to buy their product, to satisfy your, the, the lust of the flesh, even, as it were. And you buy it, and wow, you know, I've got something new. But the newness wears off in a few weeks and it waxes old and eventually it ends up in the tip. And the tip is full of products that we once bought and cherished and thought it would satisfy, but it's all been buried. And so will everything in this world. It will not satisfy the craving that we have within for eternity. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. He will satisfy the spiritual rock that followed them. 
And that rock is Christ, as it tells us there in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. You might have tried this, you might have tried that, you might have tried uh, indulging in the flesh, you might have tried not indulging in the flesh and saying this will satisfy. It won't. The only thing that will satisfy is the Lord. The only person that will satisfy is the Lord Jesus Christ. I like what Isaiah 51 verse 1 tells us. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness. Ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock from which you are hewn, and the hole and the pit from which ye are digged. People can tell, those that are in the, in the rock business, what quarry the rock is from. You remember talking or looking at the images from Stonehenge, or, Henge or whatever they call it, over in England. That some of those rocks are from close by, but other rocks are from 100 miles away or more. They're in England. How they got them there, we don't know, but they're big rocks and they can tell because the sort of rock it is, the, the, the toughness of it and everything else, the texture of it, that it's from a quarry way down there. Folk, we have been hewn from the rock and the quarry. Look to the rock from which ye are hewn. We have been hewn from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're out of his quarry and the hole and pit from which you have been digged. Because my first two or three years of working life was in quarries and crusher sites and rock, that's all it was. A terrible thing to work with a bulldozer because you're sitting on a steel machine the only sponge is in the seat. There's no sponge anywhere else. And so you hit a, the big rocks and will just travel over a rock. It's very rough and everything's rattling. Steel to rock. But we need to look to the rock from which we are hewn. We need daily to look to the rock from which we are hewn. The Lord Jesus Christ. And say, that is what he is like. That's what I should be like. I should be a replica of the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. I should be an example to people around me of the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to be a testimony to the world of the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's left us here as uh, ambassadors, as testifiers to the fact of what he's done for us. He saves you and me that we might represent him. Yes, look to the rock from which you've been hewn. How he lived, how he behaved, what his attitude was. And imitate him and represent him to those around you. He is also a successful rock. The Lord is successful and will be successful. It tells us in 1 Peter 2.5 Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. We've been looking at this verse as we looked at it last Wednesday in our prayer Bible study or Bible study prayer meeting. Ye are Ye also, as lively stones, Pastor McConnell was saying afterward, uh, you're not just living stones, it's lively stones. You're not couch potatoes. Christians shouldn't be just sitting there. You can't just sit there. You need to move and be lively in your Christian life, active in service. Active in service. And, you know, the Lord, when he judges us one day, well, what did you do with your talents? 
Did you multiply them? Did you exercise them? Or did you bury them? Lively rocks. Lively rocks. Find what God wants you to do and do it with all your strength, with all your might. Because the Lord is going to be a successful rock and we are his we are hewn from him, from his quarry. He also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices to the Lord Jesus. And that's how the Lord works through us now. And in Matthew 16 verse 18, Upon this rock, the Lord Jesus, I will build my church. And he is building it. He will build it. And at the time of the rapture, it will be finished and completed and he'll take it home. A perfect church. He will be successful. Though the gates of hell rally against the church and try to bring it down and more in our day than ever before, he is just, the old devil's trying to bring the church down. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the rock and his work. He will be successful. And we look at the next one, <clears throat> the smiting rock. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, I love this story of uh, this dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had that he forgot or said he forgot and that God gave to Daniel and his friends as they prayed of the image of this huge man and it represented all the empires of the world from that time until the future. The five main empires that will be throughout history. And in Daniel chapter 2, this is spoken about. And Daniel gets the interpretation in verse 34. There was a head of gold. There was silver. There was brass. There was iron. And then there was iron and clay in the feet. And that was what the image was made, made from, a top heavy image, gold at the top. And Daniel said, Thou, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, are this head of gold. And then the Medes and the Persians. Then the Greeks. The thighs, the brass. And then the iron that Rome, represented Rome. And the ten toes is representing a future kingdom of ten, ten regions or what, or ten kings that it speaks about there. But this is the image of man and all his empires, all his governments, all his authority, all his armies. All that he could do best, the best he could do in this world. And then verse 34 of Daniel chapter 2, Thou sawest until a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image, this image of this man, with all these empires representing the empires, and it's clearly stated in Scripture that that's what it represents, now, in the past, and in the future. Until a stone was cut out without hands and smote the image upon its feet that were of iron and clay, and broke them to pieces. Then when the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broke in pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor and the wind carried them away and no place was found for them and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven will be fulfilled. Where the Lord Jesus, the smiting stone, will come and in Revelation 19 you see him coming. In Matthew 24 he's coming as lightning and he smites this image, these governments, these empires and all the power and all the authority and all the pride of people and leaders 
He smites it like chaff. It breaks down and it blows away with the wind. And then he and his kingdom will fill the whole world. Yes, he is the smiting stone, the smiting stone of all authority that has been in this world. And you read about it. He comes riding a white horse and the sword of his mouth, his word smites the armies, the modern armies in the future. And, they, and, and particularly those 200 million men that come from the east and the majority from China. This is where it's spoken about in, in Revelation yet to come and the Lord will smite them all. They will dare to turn their guns and their missiles and their rockets and their tanks and everything, you see, they're down there to, to actually exterminate every Jew. That's why they come to the Middle East. That's why the devil gets them there to unclean spirits, gather all the kings of the world to smite and do rid, be rid of the enemy, they call, of the Jewish people. But the Lord comes and protects his people who have by that time believed. And, 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 and these, this futile effort of man... To take on God. It's stunning that men would do that. But they do. They will. They have. And he's going to smite them. I think we even see a bit of the smiting of a lot of things in this COVID. The Lord is using it to bring down sports. To bring down entertainment. To bring down the movies. To bring down and shut them down. And shut them down. But there's a bigger and more terrifying smiting to come in the future when this happens, according to Daniel. And it's not only in Daniel 2, it's in Daniel 7 as well. And it's in Matthew and it's in Revelation. There's another smiting that we can speak about and this is in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 42 to 44, or 42 and 44. We read there, And Jesus said unto them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The Jewish people rejected the stone, the Lord Jesus. The builders, Jewish people, the nation, rejected. The same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and is marvellous in our eyes. And in verse 44, you can read 43, but there in 44, And whosoever shall fall upon this stone, this one who's the head of the corner of the Lord Jesus. Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. This is the Lord Jesus. He wants you and I to fall on him and be broken. He will not despise a broken and a contrite spirit. He will not despise a person that comes humbly before him and says, Lord, I can't do it. I can't save myself. I am broken. I am undone. I am revealed and open in your sight. I am a sinner and I need salvation. And a person that comes broken to the Lord Jesus and weeping before him, he will lift up and put that, that person's feet upon the rock, Psalm 40. But whosoever rejects, and it's in verse 44 that we read, but on whomsoever he rejects and whomsoever this stone falls, the Lord Jesus falls on them, the ones who have not believed and willfully reject the gospel and disobey the gospel, it will grind him to powder. 
You won't survive the judgment unless you have the faith of the Lord Jesus in your heart, that which you need to, to believe that he provides salvation. Listen, unsaved friend. You've got nothing to lose but everything to gain to humble yourself and say, Lord, I forgive me, I repent of my sin, I turn to you by faith, and without faith it's impossible to come to him. You must believe he is. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Come to the one. Don't let him smite you, but fall on him and be broken and be saved. And last of all, back to our reading where we started in Matthew chapter 7. And, and we could have spent a week on every one of these points, but this is a smiting rock to finish. The smiting rock, chapter 7, where we read in verse 30, uh, 24, 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. What are you building your eternity on? On the rock, the Lord Jesus, or on the world? You see, because one built his house on a rock, and the storms came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it stood firm. In this world and in the world to come, if we've got our faith in the Lord Jesus, we will stand firm. He is the rock of ages. But then it goes on and talks about everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, shall be likened, or doeth them not, shall be likened to a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And maybe you've been building your house on the sand of this world. And then the rains come and the winds blew and the sand was taken out from under your house and your house fell and great was the fall of it. And God said that for a person not to believe and the storms of life come and they're trusting in themselves and in this world, great will be the fall of that person. And the fall is not for just time, it's for eternity. And he will, see, he will say, the Lord Jesus, the rock of ages, will say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. And they shall go away into torment that was prepared for the devil, his angels in hell forever. Fall on the rock. Who are you building your life, or what are you building your life upon? Money materialism, things are all going to blow away with the storms but build your life on the rock and you'll have eternal life and so this picture of the rock, the smitten rock the sure rock, the secure rock, the sheltering rock the stumbling rock, the strengthening rock the sustaining rock, the satisfying rock and the successful rock and the smitten rock are for us to understand and believe. This type is brought to us through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Won't you believe on him today? Fall on him and be broken. Or wait for the consequences where he will fall on you and grind you to powder for eternity. Trust him. Know what it is to have eternal life. Build your house. Build your house upon the rock. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the rock of ages. Thank you for the rock as we've seen him today throughout scripture. May each and every one that's listening today believe on him and receive everlasting life. And may others tune in and become a part of the people that have placed their feet on the rock. The Lord Jesus. 
Bless us as we go our way and speak to our hearts and may we read again the things concerning the rock. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.